एन सी ई आर टी टेक्स्ट बुक्स दिस इज अ सब्जेक्ट दैट वी हैव टॉक्ड अबाउट क्वाइट ऑफन लेकिन एवरी टाइम वी टॉक्ड अबाउट तो हमने बात की है मुख्यतः इतिहास के बारे में सोशल साइंसेस के बारे में बट वॉट अबाउट साइंस एंड मैथ्स क्या साइंस और मैथ्स की टेक्स्ट बुक्स जस्ट परफेक्ट वॉट यू थिंक चलिए बात करते हैं इसके बारे में वी हैव डॉक्टर सी के राजू उदास आइए सब्सक्राइब कीजिए उसके साथ साथ आप हमें सपोर्ट करना चाहें तो यू कैन गो टू द डिस्क्रिप्शन वहाँ पर लिंक है और उस लिंक के आप हमें हेल्प कर सकते हैं सपोर्ट कर सकते हैं लेट्स गो Namaste and welcome to this 7 p.m. show. And I have got uh, who else but Dr. C. K. Raju with us. Uh, uh, Dr. C. K. Raju doesn't really need an introduction to the Jaipur Dialogue audience, but for those uh, who are probably seeing him for the first time. So the last time we met, our uh, number of subscribers was around uh, uh, 50,000, but now we are closer to 325,000. So we have had phenomenal growth. Also, the new subscribers who have come here have not watched you speak here. Let me introduce Dr. C. K. Raju. He is an eminent scientist. Right now, he is working with the Indian Institute of Advanced Studies, Shimla, and uh, uh, a number of uh, things that he has to his credit. Uh, one of them, of course, is the Param computer when the India had been abandoned by the West and told to fend for itself. At that time, he took up the cudgels uh, and. Uh, Brought in a computer revolution, the supercomputer revolutions to India, and uh, then uh, he, as a foremost mathematician, has had to his credit debunking of uh, several theories and also added to the theory of Einstein by bringing in a new modification. So, welcome once again to the Jaipur Dialogues. Thank you. and uh, you have done uh, a lot of research on the ncert books and uh, everybody says that ncert books on history are trash but are the science books and the mathematics books uh, great no not really and uh, have been fighting uh, quarrel for a long long time i mean could i introduce a few preliminary remarks please could please like that yeah so uh, what i want to say is that uh, we believe uh, what happened to the uh, okay this is strange all right so we uh, believe that um, macaulay changed our educational system now well, that's not quite true because the education system changed the same way throughout the world we look at um, uh, for example lebanon or you look at argentina or you look at various parts of africa french colonies and so on you know throughout portuguese colonies look at brazil so this education was globalized it's not one person it is a big organization it is the church so i think that unless we find the right causes uh, we are not going to find the right solutions 
And when I mention the church in the context of math and science, people say, what has the church got to do with math and science? So I'm going to try and show you that. As uh, you said, uh, one issue is, of course, the uh, false history that they, uh, uh, they talk about. And Macaulay used a lot of false history. So, uh, but the point is church is interested in education. It was church education which came to India and well, which went not just came to India, went across the world because education is a means of power. You know, it is like uh, you, uh, it's a means of mental power. You train a dog and they really thought of us like that, Indians and dogs. So you train a dog and the uh, dog trainer, he exercises power over the dog. And they actually write that. When the church wrote its uh, first false history in the fifth century, Orosius history against the pagans, he actually talked about how dogs can be made to do uh, the what the master desires uh, by fairly simple training. So I think that that is the church interest in education. We need to understand that. And uh, well, this was tried out in a variety of ways in India. You know, the whole church power. See, it got power through uh, Constantine. Constantine's son was educated and it seized the whole Roman Empire. In India also, they tried the same stuff. In 1580s, uh, the Jesuit missionaries from Goa, they went to Akbar's court. And uh, Akbar was much smarter than Constantine, but they tried the same plot that they would educate his son, Murad. But they didn't succeed. They couldn't grab power. By the time of Macaulay, the issue was different. It was not about grabbing power. It was about retaining power. And uh, the techniques were still the same. Because the idea is that uh, you, you know, the education system which came, the church education system, it was a Trojan horse. And as a Trojan horse, we should have looked at its uh, what is inside it. And the carrot that was dangled was that the West is so good, in, so immensely superior. That was the, that was Macaulay's phrase. Immensely, immeasurably superior in math, in science. And therefore, if we want science and of course mathematics goes with it then we should imitate the west and we never thought that the church could be mixed up in this but it is and that is when i keep talking about euclid people have not quite understood that so let's take a example all right uh, let me start with the um, textbook uh, that we have of um, ncert so I want to uh, now change to this tab. Can you see this tab? Uh, let me, I forgot, your StreamYard. How do I share this tab? You share go to, screen. you have share at the yeah. bottom. Go to yeah. share. Share screen. And uh, I want to share uh, screen, not the whole screen. I want to share a tab. So you okay. can share. Let's see what it gets. Okay. Uh, so this is the tab I want to share. Are you able to see it? Not this able to see it. it. One uh, minute, this one is what I want. Not entire screen. I want a Chrome tab. Okay. Euclid from NCRT class nine mathematics. I'm showing you the NCRT text and trying to show you. Share, share, share it is. Share is at the bottom. Ah, 
Yeah. I ah okay fine. It was hidden. All right. Here we are. All right. Now you are able to see it. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. So this is the introduction to Euclid's geometry. Introduction to Euclid's geometry. This is chapter five in the class nine NCRT text. And now I want to show you uh, what it is that I'm talking about, how Euclid gets mixed up with the church. You see, they say that uh, everybody had uh, geometry. See, all ancient people had geometry. And uh, you say, you see, India had the Shulba Sutra and you had Harappa and Mohenjo-daro and so on and so forth. They were very well planned and Shulba Sutra and things like that. Egypt had its pyramids. The Maya had pyramids, similar thing in Babylon or Iraq. But so you look at this highlighted sentence, though accurate geometric methods were used for the construction of altars, etc., the principles behind them were not discussed. Hmm? Of course, they were discussed, they have to be understood. Then you look at this, whatever was happening throughout the world, it was happening in an unsystematic manner. Then we say that in some civilizations like Babylon, Egypt, etc., it was done, there was only a statement of results. There were general, there were no general rules of procedure. And it was done for practical purposes. What is wrong with doing things for practical purposes? But anyway, that's what they say. This is the criticism. And only the Greeks, now this sentence is the critical sentence. Only the Greeks, no, they were interested in establishing the truth of the statements they discovered using deductive reasoning. And see Appendix 1. So this is critical because Appendix 1 talks about mathematical proof. And that is uh, where we will eventually be headed. Let me get back to the, uh, uh, anyway, I am visible here, right? So I can keep this on. Yeah. So uh, uh, this idea that uh, uh, something superior that the Greeks did, which the whole world did not do. This is the classic church idea of using false history. That whatever they did, whatever the whites did, whatever the West did, whatever the Christians did was superior. This is how they started. They went to racism, then they went to colonialism. All right. So what does it mean in terms of geometry? Right. So this is an old church trick. So what they are saying is that uh, there was this Euclid who did something and who did something great and superior. So first question is, was there any Euclid? All right. We go step by step because to understand what was the uh, uh, church intervention is a little hard. So we go step by step. Was there a Euclid? Now, this issue that there was no Euclid, you see, I have been contesting this for a very long time. So, uh, way back in uh, uh, 2002, 2002, I uh, was with, uh, I mean, on a, a mailing list, I talked with David Fowler. He was the leading Western expert on the history of Greek mathematics. And he admitted that there is no evidence for Euclid. You know, somebody said, who is this Raju? What is he saying that this is 2002? Who is this Raju? What is he saying that Euclid does not exist? Please tell us. So he said just one word. What is known about Euclid? Nothing. Just one word. And uh, that is there in my book, Euclid and Jesus. It is there on the internet. And the uh, next question was, what do we know about his book? This book comes from the 10th century, late 10th century. 
Well, 9th century to be very precise, if you want, 888, but it's from the 10th century. So now the thing is, he was an expert. He knew there is no primary evidence. Then I complained to NCRT. I talked to, uh, I think, uh, Krishna Kumar was the uh, director at that time. And when my book, Cultural Foundations of Mathematics, was being released, I said, well, there was a chapter on Euclid there. So I asked him, please send somebody. So he sent the head of the mathematics department. He came, he attended, you know, came, saw, left. And uh, what was his uh, statement? Uh, when I said, what is your evidence for Euclid? He had uh, no problem. He simply said that, uh, you know, why do you uh, let me show you this uh, tab? Let me share it. Uh, okay, share. Not video file. I want to share a tab. Do I need to first stop this share? I think so. Okay, let's stop the screen. And then let me share again. Share screen and... Uh, then share again uh, tab. It just disappears. Okay, tab. Which tab do I have? I am. Okay. Yeah, here it is. Now, how do I share this? This is a little problematic. I can't see it in this magnification. Okay, I think that's the one. Let's take a look. Are you able to see it? Yes. Uh, the cartoon? Or maybe I'm sharing the wrong. Here it is. Yeah, are you able to see it? Yes. Okay, so this is what he said. Why do we want evidence? We go by a committee. That's <laughs> that's that's. that's that's gone. I think it appeared and then it's something else came. It appeared and disappeared. Okay, let me get back to it. Uh, it says shop. Okay, never mind. Let me go ahead with uh, what I'm uh, saying. The point is his uh, thing was quite hilarious that uh, it is unimportant to have evidence. We go by a committee. Some committee decided why do you want evidence? <laughs> then we, that is the whole idea. You know? and so there is no evidence. He doesn't have. And then uh, I, as you know, I offered a prize. I offered a prize of uh, two lakh rupees. So let me show you that. This is important. I must show you the. Uh... Okay. Uh... Maybe now you need I... to enhance the prize. You know that's been two lakh <laughs> for more than ten years. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, where is this tab gone? Uh, this is the tab I want. And how do I? Ah, here it is. This is what I want to share. Are you able to see it? Uh, this is a little problem with this. Uh, are you able to see this thing? Not yet. Or not? Yes. No, no. Yes. Goodbye, Euclid. Yeah. Goodbye, Euclid. Yeah. Goodbye, Euclid. So there are three videos. This was a talk that I gave in front of the, well, the Malaysian Deputy Education Minister chaired it. And there are these three videos, which is visual proof that I offered this prize. 
So uh, this price was offered, and then. Now, but what my suggestion is that this been a long time. It is stuck at two lakh. Nobody is coming to challenge it, so you might as well add another zero to it. My so means are. That's, that's, that's what we did with our uh, AIT price. Uh, of course, nobody is coming to claim that either. Yeah. But now yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a two crore or ten lakhs. Even then, nobody is coming. So I think this two exactly. lakh you can make it. You can safely make it two crores. Nobody will still come. So at least the figure will be impressive. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I will definitely consider this suggestion. What to do about it? And uh, may not be two crores, but I can certainly raise it to say ten lakhs or something like that. All right, because uh, you know it should be credible that I am able to pay it in case I lose. Otherwise, it doesn't carry. Nobody's going to take it. I will find you sponsors. Don't worry. Okay, that will be very good. Thank you. So uh, this is what was done, and then in uh, in 2019, somebody registered a grievance with NCRT. All right, and the NCRT response to that was very similar. That uh, you know, first they didn't give any answer. Then they said, "Well, it is stated in so many Western textbooks." So the correct proof for history is primary evidence, and. The grievance specifically asked for primary evidence for Euclid, because that primary evidence we know from the days of Fowler twenty years ago does not exist. So uh, this was the wishy-washy answer that if you can find Euclid in so many textbooks and therefore it must be true. Now you cannot do things like that. Now I will tell you what the point is not just about history. The point is about the way mathematics is done. But the history is just something which leads up to it. So let's go to the. Uh, uh, I mean, there is evidence. There is uh, there is no evidence, and there is plenty of counter evidence. So I think what we need to understand is who concocted Euclid and why. That's the interesting thing that we need to understand. It's a false history, okay, but why? And why is it there still in our textbooks? Because obviously, it is something which was done with a great deal of influence and power, and for some. Very strong reason. All right. So, who concocted and why? Now, what I am trying to suggest is what I am not suggesting. What I am stating is that uh, you know the lack of evidence for Euclid is a long story. It is there in my book. Uh, uh, well, uh, it the book. The title of the book is How and Why the uh, Church Changed Mathematics and Christianity Across Two Religious Wars. This is my book, Euclid and Jesus. The subtitle is this: There was a change in mathematics and Christianity across two religious wars. Now, the most important war that we are talking about is the Crusades, which is a religious war fought against the Muslims. And I'm suggesting that it was at this time that Euclid was concocted. Which is the point is we get confused. They're Greeks. What is the connection of Greeks to the Church? So I'm trying to give you that connection. That what happened during the Crusades that the Church was fighting with the Muslims, trying to conquer them and convert them, it failed. The way pagans were converted in Europe, it was all done by force. But they failed to convert the Muslims because Muslims were much too strong. They were wealthy. Of course, it was we call it a religious war, but the real target was their wealth. But they failed, and when they failed, they could not persuade. So uh, when they uh, tried to persuade, because what was their means of persuasion? Bible. 
but the Muslims rejected the Bible as corrupt. Therefore, what they needed was something which Muslims accepted. At that point, there was the Akli Kalam. They accepted reason. And because they accepted reason, the church decided to adopt reason. And if you go back to that uh, page that I showed you, what it says is that the Greeks used reason. Hmm? But there are no Greeks who did it. But still, that is the story that is being told by Ache. Now, where did this reason get into the church? Because you see, the church policy prior to the crusades was to burn books. Even in India, they burnt books. They burnt the Bible. You know, the Syrian Christian Bible, so the oldest Bibles in the world, and they were all burnt, burnt in uh, 1599. Maybe one copy was kept and is found in some Oxford library, but most of them were collectively burnt because they were so different. Anyway, the point is, it was the church policy to burn books. Now, what could the church do? You see, the, uh, they were losing, they realized they were losing because of lack of knowledge, scientific knowledge. Now, scientific knowledge is useful in war, even in a religious war. And so they wanted to acquire it. So when they acquired the uh, Toledo library, they decided to translate it. But how can they translate? Because they are burning books and it's the time of religious fanaticism, a religious war. And they are saying, you know, this is the enemy and you should burn everything he has. How could they translate? So to translate, they invented an excuse. And the excuse was that all knowledge in Arabic books, we know so much knowledge went from India. But they said that all knowledge in Arabic books was due to the Greeks. It's a war going on and nobody bothered about history. Even today, nobody bothers about history. It's very easy to persuade people. Just tell them a story. And that is how the Greeks like Euclid were invented. Euclid book, the book that we are talking about, came to Europe in 1125. One through a preceding spy, the other through uh, the fall of Toledo. And it was translated. It was translated on the pretext that it is done by Greeks. The Greeks are the sole friends of Christians. That is what Eusebius, the first church historian, had said. So because they are the sole friends of Christians, they said this knowledge was just in safekeeping by the Arabs. It is actually our inheritance. And therefore, we can translate it. It's a very, you know, fig leaf. But it was credible and it has been credible since then. Till now, there is no evidence for Euclid. So they said this was our book. Now, what is the special thing about Euclid? The special thing about Euclid is that the church wanted reason to persuade Muslims. But how could it use reason? It can't say Muslims do it, therefore we will do it. It has to say reason is our inheritance. But Aristotle, of course, was not good enough. Point is, today you have people saying rationalists are against superstitions. So if reason is against superstition, and if the church rules on the strength of superstition, and whatever superstition was in birth, there's that. If it rules on that basis, how can it adopt reason? And that is the trick. And that is the deep trick. They decided to adopt reason without facts. Because they understood they can manage reason. They can't manage facts. So how do you justify virgin birth on the basis of facts? Uh, 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 Dr. Raju, Muslims yeah. also gave up reason uh, around about 11th, 12th century. No, no, we'll get into that discussion about Al-Ghazali later. But at the moment, what happened was that the church was aligned with Ibn Rushd, who was Al-Ghazali's opponent. And when they talked about Aristotle and so on, they were talking about the writings of Ibn Rushd, ever Rushd. So uh, they, uh, whether this happened or not is a different issue. What we are discussing right now is, uh, uh, you know, Euclid and the textbook that we have got. 
it is our problem right now all right whatever may have happened then right now is our problem the so point it, is, is it only with respect to geometry or there are other things as well so there are lots the everything in mathematics duplicate is just a starting point everything that is done in mathematics today is done on that basis we are talking of reason what kind of reason so when the church adopted a theology of reason they wanted a special type of reason reasoning without facts you see the word reason was stated there should we go back to that um, uh, book um, uh, let me share the screen again share screen okay where is my tab i can't see it at this resolution uh let me switch off the other tabs okay maybe that will help okay let me switch off this okay so now i should have just one thing yeah here we are we share this uh is it visible yes okay so we go back to that you see the point that is being made the greeks were interested in establishing the truth of statements they discovered using deductive reasoning that's the critical yes, sir, so what's so special about deductive reasoning why not I, inductive that, reasoning yes I mean, empiricism is infinitely better isn't it isn't uh, what better empiricism oh yes of course i believe in that i 100% believe in that there is no doubt about it but what they have been saying is deductive reasoning is infallible whereas empirical proofs are fallible and therefore deductive reasoning is superior that is the argument i have a whole paper on that this is just a superstition and so on i will show you that in a minute okay so the uh, point is we have a situation where uh, the reason that we are talking about is being attributed to greeks but they are fictitious greeks it is actually church reason and it is reason without facts you see we are talking of empiricism but they are saying no empiricism no facts should come in that's the whole idea of mathematical proof and that's the way all mathematics is done to be throughout the world you must prove things deductively so this is the central issue and uh, this is what uh, the story of euclid is about that you tell a false story and then you start reasoning in a method which was politically convenient to the church at that particular time and it's always been you know you can say you are doing things based on reason and not facts so aquinas for example will prove oh uh, so many angels can uh, sit on the head of a pin why because uh, you assume that angels occupy no space and same way we teach in geometry that points occupy no space and so on so you start with an assumption that assumption whether in set theory or in geometry or in anything any branch of mathematics those assumptions are laid down authoritatively in the west and we follow them just blindly just as we follow we don't even ask for the evidence of euclid we don't ask what kind of reason we don't ask what is the point of deductive reasoning and we simply follow it blindly so this is the situation there was a christian theology of reason that christian theology of reason needed reasoning without facts and we confuse formal reasoning or metaphysical reasoning or church reasoning which is without facts with normal reasoning or scientific reasoning which is reasoning with facts
Uh, that was the method of reasoning in India. When you talk of Anuman, it is based on pratyaksha, based on some facts. And from that, you, you, know, you want to infer something. So you say you see smoke and you infer fire. That's based on a fact. But here you are doing on a purely metaphysical postulate. You are avoiding the empirical on the grounds that the empirical is fallible. This was the church theology. It was very politically convenient. Now it is built into formal mathematics, which came with the West. Because Euclidean geometry was never taught. What we taught was Rajuganit, and what we did, the kind of proofs that we did were quite different. So axiomatic reasoning is what is being used in mathematics today. And axiomatic reasoning is reasoning minus facts. And what we do in mathematics is axiomatic proof. And this is totally, this system of proof is contrary to all Indian Ganit. It is contrary to all Indian philosophy. Because you talked of empiricism. The first step is Pratyaksh. You should accept the Pratyaksh. And all Indian philosophy accepts the Pratyaksh. But you prohibit uh, the Pratyaksh in mathematical proof. Anything that you can see is fallible. That is the argument. It's a bad argument. Wrong argument. I've written about it so many times. It's a superstitious argument. But, you know, simple detail like what is the evidence of Euclid if NCRT is not able to be They'll say, oh, this is stated in Western books. You read it. it therefore, it is true. We don't know. Our committee said it. We don't know. So this is what it is doing. When you're talking of mathematics, you're talking about science. It is teaching you a second rate kind of mathematics. And this whole process begins. Now, you see, the point is the myth says that there are axiomatic proofs in Euclid. This is false. It's completely false. So the church was dominant and Westerners believed it. They believed it for centuries. But at least for 100 years, it is known that there are no axiomatic proofs in Euclid. The myth is not just about the person Euclid. It is also about the book. Because the church wanted to adopt it. They wanted a book. They said there are axiomatic proofs in the book. And people believed it. But there are no axiomatic proofs. Now, this is about the book. It's easy to check. And in fact, it has been checked. Bertrand Russell, for example, let me show you what he wrote. So Bertrand Russell wrote. Uh, uh, now I have to stop sharing this and go to the other tab. All right, share. So are you seeing Bertrand Russell anywhere? Is this visible? Uh, this thing is a little difficult for me to manage. Let me put this off. Now there should be just one thing here. And uh, I should share that. My eyesight is not that good. All right, can you see this uh, article by Bertrand Russell, Teaching of Euclid? Yes. OK, so here he is talking about, you see the kind of thing that he says. That, uh, you know, it the is. Tab, uh, tab disappeared. Tab disappeared. Oh, God. Now it's yeah, come now back. It's come back. Uh, oh, again. Yeah, please, so please press on this. Disappeared. Yeah, please, <laughs> so, please press anyway, the right tab. Yeah? Uh, Please press the right tab. Tab. I mean, there was some other tab that came out. This one is it uh, there? Uh, this yes. is not. Yes, 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 yes. Again, it's it clear. 
went out again okay went out again i'm sorry this is uh, i am accustomed to zoom where this thing happens quite automatically and uh, yeah share i need some practice with this is it uh, clear now not clear yeah uh, it's clear <laughs> yes Yes, yeah, yes. so he is talking about the you know the proofs are a tissue of nonsense. So superposition is logically worthless. He says that, and then he says the fourth proposition uh, is a tissue of is a tissue of nonsense. So there are no axiomatic proofs in the book, and this fact is known for the last hundred years at least. This paper is from. Um, uh something like uh, uh 2000 uh, 1901 and in fact hilbert wrote a whole book it's called foundations of geometry and he supplied the proofs that were missing in euclid so the myth is same but how the myth same hilbert geometry is completely different from euclidean geometry and we don't even teach that we teach some other form burkhoff's geometry because we copy things so the point is there are no axiomatic proofs but there was a church myth about the book that there are axiomatic proofs this has been publicly exposed for the last 100 years but even now the most respectable historians are saying that axiomatic proofs are there and our textbook is saying that greeks did something superior they used deductive proof but deductive proof they mean axiomatic proof but it was not used in the proof the methods of proof were exactly the same as what we used in uh, indian ganit but the myth about it is different but because that myth was there today present day mathematics for the last century uses this method of axiomatic proof which is an inferior method according to me now if we can't even change one textbook one little fact in our textbook where we say okay we are talking i am struggling for it for the last 20 years you know i am saying just show the evidence for euclid or change the book or change the image don't mention euclid and it is such a big struggle we are not able to do it you think you are able to change all mathematics across the world overnight no it is going to take time people need to understand that they have been deceived they have been tricked into believing that this kind of mathematics is superior and this understanding because most people don't understand mathematics you know what happened no we are talking of prizes i <laughs> yeah i was in jnu and i gave a rupee 10 lakh prize for proving 1 plus 1 equal to 2 i offered and nobody claimed it 1 plus 1 equal to 2 in real numbers of course one caveat and uh, the video is there online take a look uh, it is called statistics for social science and humanities so i challenged the faculty there and nobody was able to grab it now even gave them a weeks time I said you do it in a week's time. I'll reduce the prize to one lakh and give you a prize if you still prove one plus one equal to two the way mathematics expects you to do it. Formal mathematics. So point is there is formal reasoning, normal reasoning, but they use one word reason and people confuse. They assume it is scientific reason, whereas it is church reason and axiomatic reason. So the church controlled mathematics. They controlled it like that, and this is what we are taught through the myth. That is what is wrong about the myth that it is teaching you a completely different way of uh, doing mathematics and uh, of course you see axiomatic proofs they say they are infallible this is completely wrong see i have been a math teacher and so many students turn in wrong proofs 
They flunk all the time. Why do they flunk? If it is infallible, then we should not flunk. You know, I mean, it is ridiculous. And in fact, if you take any complex deductive process, like game of chess, everybody will make a mistake in it every time. You take the world champion. He always goes to a machine because he'll make some mistake. You can't lose unless you make a mistake. If you play correctly, chess must stand in a drop. So this is the situation that happens. That axiomatic proof is, uh, it is not infallible. It is fallible. And it is, um, uh, it is of course, different. So let me summarize. The point is that Euclid is a false church myth for which there is no evidence. And during the Crusades, the church had a political requirement for axiomatic reasoning or reasoning without facts. So it adopted that method of reasoning and declared it a superior. And the Euclid myth was used to pretend that this strange method of reasoning comes from the Greeks, not from the church. Because if they tell you it comes from the church, you will not accept it. Nobody will accept it. But Greeks, you don't care. And if you expose that lie today, it would make the West look like a fool. But we seem to think we should not make the West look like a fool. We ourselves should be fooled by it. You know, it is really pathetic. So uh, teaching axiomatic mathematics goes against all Indian Ganit. And it puts mathematical authority in the hands of the West. Because all axioms of mathematics from set theory, whether we are talking of Hilbert's axioms or Birkhoff's axioms or axioms for number systems, Piano's axioms or whatever we are talking about, they are all laid down in the West. And we are only going to uh, work out their consequences. So this is one part. Now, uh, so it uh, doesn't convert us. The church teaching doesn't convert us into Christians. It converts us into to Westianity. <laughs> you know, we are totally subordinate to the West. Now, there is a superstition I want to talk about. That's called, I call it the it works superstition. People say, okay, maybe this was there and so on. But it works. The bridges are there. They are still standing. Bridges were being built long before formal mathematics, long before Euclid came. In fact, Adelard of Bath, who brought Euclid to Europe, he was a crusading spy who was sent to find out how the Arabs built bridges. So it is prior to Euclid. And uh, let's take something more novel. Let's go to rocket trajectories. How do you calculate rocket trajectories? So people don't know. Now, if you look at the uh, text, if you look at this science text, so let me look at the science text. Let me turn this off, uh, Bertrand Russell, and uh, let me share this. Okay. Uh, so is this the thing? I hope I'm. I can't really see it. I'm just. All right. Uh, can you see this uh, text? Gravitation. This is ninth standard text on science. Okay, yeah, we can see it. You see it. Now here is this box on Isaac Newton, and this box on Isaac Newton says Newton was also a great mathematician. He invented a new branch of mathematics called the calculus. And then if we talked of three laws of motion, I will come back to laws if there is time. But the point is that the calculus is being attributed to Newton. All right. And uh, what difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. We'll come back to it. The point is, I have written a book, you know, that Cultural Foundations book. And uh, this book uh, uh, points out that the calculus was invented in India 
it was uh, invented by the 5th century aryabhat mind you i am talking about aryabhat who was a lower caste person from patna not uh, uh, the kerala school that came later it was based it was the aryabhat school in kerala but the point is rocket trajectories you are uh, calculating they are done by numerical calculation on a computer and that technique of numerical solution of differential equations was precisely what aryabhat used and every problem of newtonian physics is a problem which is ultimately solved in practice by numerical solution of different uh, differential equations so this is what happens that you are using in practice something which is the same technique that you had long back but there are certain refinements i won't go into that right now the point is that uh, we are giving credit we are giving credit again this is the systematic distortion of history it is called the doctrine of christian discovery that christians you know they discover uh, any the first christian to cite a language there is a papal bull on that first christian to cite land it becomes its owner so that is why they said vasco da gama discovered india columbus discovered america and that they discovered australia also and newton discovered calculus so it applies not only to land also to knowledge so the first christian who does it and that is it's a scandal it's absolute scandal and not only is that a scandal you see even the transmission cases was uh, stolen by three uh, christians and you know uh, subhash kak wrote about it he wrote about it in sudeka long back Uh, my project started in 1998 and uh, it was plagiarized you know i gave a major international publication came in 2001 2000 there was a conference and uh, this was plagiarized immediately and uh, he wrote that three britishers it's the same logic three britishers have uh, discovered that calculus was transmitted from india it was repeatedly plagiarized again plagiarized in uh, 2007 and so on and so forth uh, but he did not take it back and now those reports are still floating so the credit keeps going there and the point is it's not just a question of credit because you don't do the calculus correctly you don't even in fact do newtonian physics correctly but that is a much more complex issue i can't uh, really talk about that right now so there was this doctrine of uh, uh, christian discovery now uh, i think i have taken a lot of time so let me just uh, talk about what is the solution so i think the solution is right. that we yeah so we should at least start doing systematically the history and philosophy of science now that was the idea with which i designed the course in history and philosophy of science in i taught it several times in malaysia i taught it in india and i think you were interested in pushing it forward but it Wait, never right. happened Yeah, you wrote to Kak also, and it never happened. So the point is, we are not interested in the solution. Now, what do I do for that? We want to be slaves. It's not my ghar ki chadi, you know, that I have to run after it and get it done, and something that will happen. And it's not just about teaching in some gurukul. So the point is not merely to preserve indigenous knowledge. The point is to free the mind. Colonial education captures the mind. I talked about trained dogs. That is the whole idea. so it captures the mind and what i want is to free the mind that is my objective so if i go and teach to some people or some uh, a separate group that's not the idea we need to change the education system we need to change the existing textbooks and at least these small details we can start with uh, we can start thinking about it i mean it is 75 years after independence and we are not able to change it 
that's the colonial legacy that has been left behind that we become completely incapable of changing. We talk of experts, but those experts are all trained in the same systems and they will all function behind closed doors. Let them come out and discuss. Let Manjul Bhargav come and discuss it openly. What is this he's talking? He'll go and uh, sit in a committee and he'll talk about it. That's not the interest. Let him debate this whole issue of whether uh, deductive proof is any good. And what's wrong with empirical group? And what's wrong with Indian Ganit? So we are not able to organize such a debate. NCRT is not willing to discuss. They promised me also that they would discuss, but they are not willing to discuss it, not even privately. So if you can't even discuss such an issue, that is an extreme form of superstition that is being perpetuated through the education system, which is the church education system. And that is what it does. And that is something extremely, extremely damaging. And, uh, you know, there are all other kinds of issues. You know, you think that science cannot be appropriated. You saw I mentioned in the in the text that I showed you. Uh, maybe it is still there. There are laws of motion. Newton's laws of motion. Law of gravitation. What is this law? It's a Christian theological belief stated by Aquinas that God rules the world with eternal laws of motion. From the point of physics, how do I know there are eternal laws of motion? The physics has been done for 200 years. We are talking of eternity. And even in that 200 years, Newtonian physics has already failed. It failed a century ago. Why don't we tell them that these are not laws? These are okay, but a good model maybe worked very well, but it is not a law. It is just a model, which is proposed just like you have so many COVID models. They come and they go. So it is a model like that, maybe a little more successful, but it's just a model. And we don't think that's the central part of science. You're only making fallible models. And they could all prove to be wrong tomorrow. But if you start talking of laws of nature, then there's a grand vision of the cosmos created by God, controlled by God, and so on. I think I've completed 45 minutes. That's a lot. So I think uh, I should stop at this point. So my question there is that uh, uh, the Newton's laws of motion, yeah, uh, they were uh, kind of disproved by mm, the, the special theory of relativity as well right. as by the quantum mechanics theory. Mm -hmm. And uh, these very laws of motion have been used, uh, the eternal laws yeah. have been used to prop up an entire theology of social sciences also. <laughs> <laughs> and that, whereas the Newton's law have been largely been discarded except in certain uh, certain frameworks where you do not uh, require too much of accuracy yeah. but uh, other frameworks they have been discarded so shouldn't that be starting point for uh, discarding the, the theologies that have actually developed on the basis of these cartesian uh, newtonian models your question is absolutely right but you see there is a finer point here why did Newton's laws fail? Now, if we just say that they failed because relativity came in or because quantum mechanics came in, then it seems that there was some development in science and this was proved to be false. But it's a much deeper reason. The argument that I have given is Newton did not understand the calculus because people who steal knowledge don't understand it. And he did not understand. And what he did was he talked of flow of time. And according to that, he talked of fluxions in the calculus. And those fluxions are complete nonsense. And they have been completely, they have been discarded. Now, this talk of fluxions by Newton shows that he didn't understand what he was talking about. 
Now, therefore, you see, because he assumed time flows, because he assumed that this God who has made these laws and God knows what time it is, therefore, he says in his uh, Principia that, uh, you know, uh, absolute, true, mathematical time flows on without regard to anything external. Now, he, without regard to anything external, means that you don't have a clock because God knows what time it is. But actually, his predecessor, Barrow, he emphasized, he said that anybody who tries to do physics without having a proper notion of time is a quack. That's the word he used, quack. But Newton took it back and said, okay, God knows and we don't need to know. But his physics failed precisely for that reason. See, where does special theory of relativity come in? It comes in by giving a definition of time, of equal intervals of time. Because Newton's laws don't make sense. Forget about being right or wrong. If you say, take the first law of motion, what does it say? It says that a body covers equal distances and equal times. If I don't know what are equal times, the state of uniform motion or rest. So forget about rest. So it's moving in uniform motion. So it covers equal distances and equal times. And what, do, what are equal intervals of time? We don't know. I'll call, you know, one hour from the past and I'll call for an hour from the future. And I'll look at both of them right in the present and say they are equal. You can't do that. So you have to define it. And Newton did not define it. And what the special theory of relativity does is to give a definition by postulating that the speed of light is constant. And so point I'm making is because Newton did not understand the calculus, therefore his physics failed. I mean, still approximately true in some sense. You can use it in many practical situations. No problem about that. But there was lack of understanding. And science is about understanding. If you get some answer by Tukkebaji, that is not science. And that is precisely what Berkeley was his church opponent. Because you see, Newton was terrifically against the church. He wrote a history of the church, seven volume history of the church. And he abused church people right, left and center. And that was never published. But Berkeley tried to put him down for that reason. Uh, there's also this, uh, because uh, you talk about time. And uh, Newton postulated uh, linear, super linear time. Wow, by the time is, you come to quantum mechanics, it becomes uh, what is called the uh, superposition of probability amplitude. So the uh, entire superlinearity concept uh, goes out through the window. So not I, only the Newtonian dogma vanishes, the dogma of both Christianity and Islam, which is based on linear superlinear time, that also goes through the window. No, you're absolutely right. I fully agree with you. But the point is we are discussing only school text. So we are discussing something that is applied at the level of ninth standard. So I said, what is uniform motion? So they have to know what uniform motion is. Now we get into superlinear time and church theology. That discussion becomes a little bit complex. So I'm just calculus. Yes, no, but we, we have to discuss calculus by the time we come to the 11th, 12th uh, uh, textbooks. Yes, but they and don't learn. We discuss calculus then at that time we have to discuss this linear superlinear time. Uh, they don't do it because you see what they do is they talk of real numbers. They say calculus is to be done with real numbers and therefore time is represented by the real uh, by real numbers. Therefore, it is like a line, super linear time. But now real numbers, as I said, if I ask somebody, what is one plus one in equal? Why is one plus one equal to two in real numbers? Give me a formal mathematical proof because real numbers are formal entity. The real number one is not the same thing as the natural number one is not the same thing as the rational number one and so on. They are distinct entities. So how to prove? Nobody knows. I mean, there are some people who know, 
but if you take your run of the mill person if you take your i mean i was so many heads of departments of mathematics including iit heads and it gets into a quarrel so if they don't know what are real numbers how are they going to do calculus they are simply mugging and throwing it out and ncert is encouraging that you know we are there only to mug we are the slaves of the west whatever they say we must believe and do we can't apply our own mind that is what oh. is inherent believe <laughs> again we are not with the pratyaksha praman but uh, with the shabda praman yes it is best and shabda praman so we must accept whatever they say and we invented calculus we don't care why you said it you know in fact that uh, fellow who plagiarized george kirabal givergis joseph he did it from manchester university just take took my whole paper word by thing plagiarized it. and it was published along i mean it was not a public but it was shown along with my uh, uh, well it was published but declared to be not public it's a little complicated point is <laughs> i read about it yes <laughs> <laughs> so they they are not willing to look at it what the journalist said oh it has come that's from a, that's, a, that's that's a tribute to you no if they plagiarize you that means they are uh... Yeah, but I went to PTI office. I went with my book. I said, "Here is an unpublished work which you are publicizing, putting on the front page of newspapers, all newspapers, and those things are still there on the net." And I said, "Here is my book. You have seen the book, Cultural Foundations. It's a 500-page book. We don't know. We don't see. It came from Manchester. We believe it. That's the standard of our journalism. It's all Western Shabda Praman. Now, how do you cope with a total ignorance?" and superstition in uh, belief in the west how do you counter that and that's also the central problem with ncert how do you counter that because that's the stuff that education drills into us just imitate the west that's why i said you talk of trained dogs it is like that that the dog obeys the shabda praman of the master so <laughs> that is what colonial education did to us and that is why i said that it's not just a matter of teaching our own system it's a matter of freeing people from this horrible superstition that you must believe everything that is said almost so many things are false we just saw you know how uh, the euclid story is false how the newton story is false so many falsehoods and they lead to bad mathematics and they lead to bad science and we are not able to do anything about it because we keep saying that you know we don't want to uh, think of those things and it is not our job you know what is that charge of the right brigade so there's not even reason why there's what to do and die it is that kind of thing that we teach our students it's very sad and i think the new education policy is there we talk of concepts just imagine so with this formal mathematics we teach concept six standard concept of a geometric point it is invisible now how can there be conceptual clarity if i say it's invisible it is like harry potter or it's like a ghost now what does an invisible point do how do i measure if i want to actually measure measure something or do it practically i will make visible marks and then i will measure out an area but here it's invisible now you don't know what it does does it dance around does it stay in one place what does it do and people get so indoctrinated they tell me you know you are you don't understand the difference between mathematics and physics i do both mathematics and physics i do understand very clearly the difference those guys don't understand what they've taught they believe that whatever they were taught as children is true that's the basis of indoctrination you stuff something in the mind of a child is very hard for him to take it out my own grandchild fights with me he learnt it like this and that is how it is <laughs> they can't be can't be anything different so if you stuff things in the minds of children at an early age 
very difficult to take it out at a later stage. It takes a lot of effort. I was myself a formal mathematician. It took me so many years to unlearn what I had learned. So I think this is a very dangerous situation, very difficult situation. And it's not just, you know, people are looking for minor political advantage. Oh, if you try to change it, there will be a political storm. I think we have to face that political storm. We can't try and avoid it. We must face it because it's a matter of uh, future generations. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, who is going to be ruling here or there. It's a matter of uh, the entire, uh, uh, the minds of a billion Indians. We can't just let it go for some uh, small time uh, advantage. We must tackle it. It is absolutely essential. Now, I've been trying to talk about it, you know, but it somehow doesn't happen. People have not even understood that Euclid is a church myth that it is leading us into a church method of reasoning, that that church method of reasoning is axiomatic reasoning, and that is again used in calculus, in real numbers, everywhere. And it mucks up everything. It mucks up our philosophical system. It mucks up the religious beliefs. And we don't understand it. And to understand, there must be a debate. You see, the way uh, you had Dhan and Saraswati, he went and he debated. And people were willing to debate. And then you can decide who won, who lost. That's a different matter. But at least if you debate, the fundamentals become clear. So we need to organize some kind of a big debate on this. And the debate may take time. You may need to debate it for a week. You can't just do it. Uh, I mean, half an hour is just to bring things out. But uh, we need to organize these kinds of debates. I have been trying very hard for the last so many years. The mathematicians run away. I tried to organize a meeting in uh, Shimla. I tried to organize in the Indian Social Science Academy and so on. And uh, they don't want to come. Formal mathematicians run away from the debate. I tried asking the minister. I tried asking everybody. It just doesn't happen. So how do you do in this situation? It's a really horrible situation. It's, it's, it's very difficult to uh, uh, organize debates. Not many people are coming forward. Not coming they forward. only go to... Uh, TV channel debates they are very comfortable and they get paid for that for uh, doing about sitting there for one hour and uh, getting to speak for one or two minutes and that also all they speak is you know if they can shout well only then they can get their word in. So that is the kind of debate that people got used to the real debates hardly happen uh, so I think we uh, I agree completely with you that we do need to organize it yeah, even that would be good. Why, why don't you organize it in the IIAS? I tried, I tried. But uh, it was difficult to get people to come. And uh, I floated a proposal. I'm told it was approved, but I have still not got the formal approval. So somewhere it got stuck. I spent uh, quite some time organizing it. So certainly I will try. I'll continue doing it. And uh, let us hope that it happens. And now the good thing is that, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of my stuff is going to be translated. And I think that will also help to start a debate. Okay. Uh, translated into? French and Spanish. Okay. Uh, so on, uh, uh, on that note, I think we can move to the question answers. There yeah. are a few questions. Yeah. And uh, also, at that point, I request all my viewers to please uh, subscribe uh, our channel, uh, to share the video, like the video, uh, press the bell icon.